Hello again, CFL fans and DGen Nation. Kyle McMahon here again for another installment of Third Down Gamble, the CFL betting podcast. This is part two of our week one episode. I was hoping to have some game lines for Saturday available by now. Unfortunately, as I record this on Friday afternoon, we still do not have those lines posted at any major book, but at least we do have the injury reports. So I'll go ahead and break down these two games and do a little bit of speculation when it comes to what numbers we might expect. All right, first up, new look Toronto Argonauts. They will head west to take on the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday night. My thoughts on Calgary, the general buzz in the media from what I've heard this week is that people are surprisingly low on this Stampeders team right now. It is understandable to wonder about whether or not they can replace all these key losses, but Calgary has key losses to deal with every year because Calgary brings so many good players into this league. Uh, yeah, every season these questions get asked and John Huffnagel recruits new guys, Dave Dickinson coaches them up and then in November Calgary's hosting a playoff game. So I think we're at the point here where the Stampeders are basically the New England Patriots of the CFL and, and I think it's fair to assume they'll be a pretty good team on the field uh, until they prove otherwise regardless of the names on the roster. On the Toronto side, uh, basically this is an entirely new team, and when you go 4-14 four and 14 the previous year, that's probably a good thing. Lots of big names and talent brought in. We'll see if they can gel. That's always the question when, when you sign a whole bunch of free agents like that, but this is one of those cases where you know none of these teams in the league have played together the past two seasons, so I, I don't think that's as big of a concern as it might normally be. Looking at the injury report here, uh, Things look pretty good for the Stampeders. Uh, Richard Leonard is out. He was uh, probably their biggest free agent signing uh, brought into the defensive backfield. That is a key loss, but in, in football, if you can go into a game with only one key loss, that's really not too bad. Uh, Toronto, unfortunately, has been hit very hard in the early going. Drake Nevis, Cordero Law, Bear Woods, Arian Colhoun, all of them have been declared out for this game. Uh, in the case of Nevis, Law, and Woods, those guys have been six-gamed already, which is, is a huge blow to Toronto's defensive front seven. New quarterback Nick Arbuckle is questionable. Um, he's going to dress by the sounds of things. Um, so McLeod Bethel-Thompson is going to start for the Argos. He very well might have started anyway. This this was a, you know an open open position available in camp. Um, so my key takeaway from this this injury report is the the outlook for the Calgary running game has, has certainly improved here. The Stamps do have somewhat of an untested offensive line, but still some fairly familiar names. And I'd say right now it projects to at least be decent uh, in spite of some of the personnel shuffling. Running back Kadeem Carey is going to get the bulk of the carries. We'll probably see Antti Milanovic leader, the big Canadian with some touches. And the ability of those guys to hit the second level and open up the passing game for Bo Levi Mitchell and an inexperienced group of Calgary receivers is going to go a long ways, I think, to determining how effective the Stamps offense is going to be. Uh, Woods and Nevis in particular being out, uh, Toronto brought those guys in to stuff the run and, and they're going to be dearly missed on Saturday and uh, unfortunately for the foreseeable future. Uh, for the Argonauts offense, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is going to get one, I think probably one last kick at the can here, uh, and he needs to make the most of it. 
I have always felt this is a guy who has a very good arm and, you know, a decent amount of talent. He's, he's looked all right in flashes, probably been hindered by an Argos squad that has generally been mismanaged over the last couple of years, but it's kind of time to put up or shut up type of deal here as far as his future outlook as a starting quarterback in this league goes. You know, Nick Arbuckle, uh, you know, if he's probably going to be holding the clipboard in this one and he is a former Stampeder, so we'll, We'll see if he can provide any any sort of advanced scouting. You know, every little bit helps when you're trying to get over on a very well-coached Stampeders team. The Argos do look to have a pretty solid core on their offensive line now. Uh, Philip Blake and Darius Bladek, they were both brought over from Saskatchewan in the offseason. Those were key signings. Uh, now it's it's a matter of this unit finding chemistry as a whole. Starting receiver group uh, looks like it's probably going to be three former Stampeders in the form of Eric Rogers, the Canadian Juwan Breskison, and Devaris Daniels, uh, along with you got Ricky Collins in there. So there will be no shortage of reliable targets out there for Bethel Thompson. They, they've got uh, you know solid, if unspectacular, running back in, in John White to shoulder some of the load. But I think Toronto is going to have, if, uh, if they're going to have success here, it's going to be through the air. And that's where Richard Leonard's loss will be felt for, for Calgary as they don't have a ton of depth in their defensive backfield right now. I was thinking at the start of the week that we'd probably see something along the lines of Calgary favored by three or four points in this game, probably a total in the high 40s. Given the multitude of key Argo injuries, I I think this is possibly more in the six-point range when it opens up. Um, Bet Regal, that new CFL betting partner, they, they talked a bit about them on the broadcast last night, and I, I mentioned them in the podcast from the other day. Uh, they do have this game right now lined at minus five with a 48.5 total. No guarantee that the major books are going to match those numbers when they open, but it at least gives us a, a maybe a rough idea of what we're going to get. Um, it, as many question marks as there are for Calgary, I, I would not hesitate to back them here at minus four or better. And while I am higher on the Argos than I think most others are, those injuries along the D-line uh, really can't be understated here. And given that, I, I would shy away from backing, backing them getting anything less than a full touchdown in this spot. I do still like their offense, though. I, I think they can put up some points against the Calgary defense that doesn't project to be any better than just all right at the moment. And for that reason, I, I would actually lean towards an over in this game if if we do see a total come in below 49. Bet Regal, as I mentioned, has 48.5 on their board right now. Um, one X factor that I, I don't gets mentioned anywhere, but I, I think could be a factor, is the elevation in Calgary. This is by no means a Denver Broncos situation where they're a mile above sea level, but for a Toronto team that has been training right around sea level for the past month, the uh, conditioning in the thinner mountain air might start to come into play in the latter stages of this football game. And I wouldn't be shocked to see a tight game for three quarters where Calgary pulls away towards the end. As far as props go, we'll see how much of an adjustment there is to Kadeem Carey's rushing over under with the, the injuries in the Argos front seven. But if we see a number under, let's say, 75-ish, I, I think over on that would be a pretty attractive play. So that's one that I will be on the lookout for Saturday uh, when we get some props posted. 
The week concludes with the Ottawa Red Blacks traveling to Edmonton to take on the Elks in that franchise's inaugural game in the CFL under that new moniker. Uh, we'll start with the injury report here. These two teams appear to have survived camp in pretty good shape. Uh, the only real question on the Ottawa side is the status of quarterback Matt Nichols. He's been limited in practice this week. I do suspect this is probably a similar case to Mike Riley, where Ottawa is being cautious not to overwork the arm of an older quarterback. I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't play, but that is something obviously to monitor closely tomorrow. Edmonton's only real concern is the absence of offensive lineman Kyle Saxlid. Not a small loss, but I do believe the Elks have the depth at the moment to manage that loss. Starting on the Edmonton side, the only real what-ifs in regards to the offense for me will be timing and form. Sounds like there's quite a bit of optimism around the league in regards to this team, and having a veteran quarterback in Trevor Harris throwing the ball to Jarrell Walker and Greg Ellingson, two of the premier pass catchers in the CFL, is a big reason for that. New coach Jamie Elizondo has worked with Harris and Ellingson before in Ottawa, so I do expect that this can be an offense that will hit the ground running. Uh, on the line, they'll be missing Saxlid, as I mentioned, but overall, this is still an experienced group anchored by Matt O'Donnell. He looked to be leaning towards retirement, but was enticed back in the weeks leading up to camp. I'm not sure what we'll see from James Wilder out of the backfield, but uh, he sounds excited to at least be back on the field, which I think was more than you could say during his last season in Toronto. Um, you've also got Terry Williams back there. He might see some carries, probably more special teams duty than, than anything else. On the whole, the Ottawa defense doesn't look particularly strong, but if there is one possible area of strength, that would be in the defensive backfield with returning Canadian vet Antoine Pruneau, free agent pickup Don Unamba, formerly of the Eskimos, and a couple other decent vets back there in the form of Sherrod Baltimore and Randall Evans. The bigger questions are up front. Um, Cleon Lang and Avery Ellis do provide some stability along the D-line, but the linebacker position is a real concern for me. Beyond uh, Avery Williams, uh, I'm not sure what we're going to get from a lot of those guys. Micah Awe, that's a recognizable name at least, but he did struggle in Toronto in 2019, so who knows there. And as you start to go down the depth chart, there's really not a lot of well-known players on this roster. I, I think Harris is going to look to attack the middle of the field here, and I'm not confident that Ottawa has the personnel to keep a guy like Greg Ellingson in check on those intermediate underneath routes that Harris loves to run. We're assuming right now that Matt Nichols will lead the Red Blacks offense, but should he be unable to go, it'll be Dominic Davis getting the ball. I'm not sure that's honestly a huge downgrade given Nichols' lack of mobility at this stage in his career. Uh, and the Ottawa O-line is, is going to have their hands full with the Edmonton D-line, which is clearly the strength of, of the Elks' defense. Mark Corte and Nolan McMillan are the only notable names on the line for Ottawa, and I really think this could spell trouble for them. Canadians Kwaku Botang and Matthew Betts will be setting the edge along the Edmonton D-line. They won't have Elmondo Sewell around this year to draw double blocking coverage as he did for the past few years, but I still think these guys have the potential to disrupt the backfield early and often. The group behind them is where the question marks begin for Edmonton. Linebackers, pretty much a complete unknown until we see these new recruits on the field. 
And I would say the defensive backfield looks quite weak up the middle. Jonathan Rose and Jonathan Mincy on, on the corners. Uh, you know, that's definitely the strength of that backfield, but they're probably going to be put into a lot of single man situations and whether or not receivers, RJ Harris and kick returner turned wide out. Devonte Dedman can exploit this secondary is likely going to decide whether or not Ottawa puts up a fight on offense here. I don't like Ottawa's running game at all. Tim Flanders is basically a career backup that hasn't seen significant reps since 2017. It stuns me, to be quite honest, that GM Marcel Desjardins feels confident going into a season with him as the primary tailback. Um, But he's going to need to make some guys miss and give this offense a bit of breathing room, or it could turn into a long night for the Red Blacks. Probably no big secret now which way I'm leaning here. I, I think this game has the potential to be pretty one-sided in favor of Edmonton, but I do always caution against taking big favorites in the first two weeks of the CFL season. We never truly know what these teams are capable of. You know, I remember Montreal two years ago. They, they'd been already been left for dead in training camp and got blown out in week one and then then went in and smacked around the Hamilton Tiger Cats' as 14-point underdogs uh, in, in week two there. Uh, and these very same Red Blacks, they, they did win their first game of the season in, in Calgary back in 2019 uh, on, on their way to that 3-15 and 15 season. These guys have a lot of pride. Uh, you know, a team that gets disrespected early on, you know, can often play spoilers. So I, I would just say manage your risk, regardless of how enticing a number might look. There there are no guarantees, particularly in the CFL. Our friends at Bet Regal have this game listed at minus five. If that line appears at the mainstream books over the next 24 hours, I, I would absolutely play Edmonton uh, without hesitation at that number. But I, I think somewhere in the minus eight range is probably more realistic. As far as an over-under goes, the bigger the spread, generally the more variance you're going to have. So I'd probably avoid the game total in, in this one, unless you really think Ottawa is going to keep this game tight. Um but team totals, I think, could potentially provide some opportunity here. The Elks should approach 30 points uh, as long as Harris can find some sort of rhythm with his receivers. Jamie Elizondo has never run a particularly conservative offense. Um, so I would say yeah, 27 and a half would probably be my buy point on Edmonton's team total, assuming you can get that at, at minus 115 or, or so. Ottawa, I think, probably comes in at around 22 and a half. If I had to guess, I'd, I'd definitely be exploring the under if, if that number is any higher than that. As far as a best bet goes, uh, it's kind of tough to do that without any actual uh, official lines on either of these games. Uh, hopefully everyone cashed in on the best bet from the first part of this episode under 51 and a half in Winnipeg Hamilton that hit with ease last night in the season opener so I I guess we'll say here an unofficial best bet uh, should the number appear I I would say Edmonton at at minus seven or better is probably the way to go on on Saturday but I'm sure we'll we'll get some decent opportunities somewhere at least once those lines finally get dropped So that'll wrap up our first go-around on Third Down Gamble in 2021. Thanks to everyone who listened this week. Reminder that if you want to get in touch with me, cflbettingpodcast at gmail.com is the best way to do that. 
Enjoy a great weekend of football, and we'll see everyone again next week, hopefully with a few extra bucks in our pockets. Bye for now.